What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and it is Monday, February 9th. I don't know where you are at, but the weather up here in southern Ontario, Canada is beautiful. I've got the windows open, the birds are chirping, and it feels like spring. My three sons finished up their respective hockey seasons over the weekend, and uh, it really feels as though playoff hockey is coming very quickly, uh, especially after Saturday night's game at the Garden, which we will get into here in a moment. But first, I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can also follow uh, the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins. This podcast is available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, or, you know, just stream it on your computer as well uh, through Megaphone. Um, I really appreciated a couple new Apple reviews that came in over the weekend. So thank you very much for those. If you are an Apple listener and you have uh, the opportunity today to do that, it would be very much appreciated. Before we take a look back at Saturday's loss to Tampa, some uh, breaking news here from practice on Monday where head coach Bruce Cassidy has ruled out both Brandon Carlo and Tori Krug from Tuesday's game in Philadelphia with upper body injuries. We all know uh, Carlo was injured on the uh, elbow to the face from getting Dadunov last week. The nature or the uh, reason for Krug's injury is not as clear, uh, but both are out with upper body injuries. Carlo did skate on his own Monday morning, and he's targeting a return on Friday in Buffalo. Uh, Connor Clifton will go in alongside John Moore. Uh, I guess that will be the new de facto third pairing with Lozon and Grizzlick bumping up uh, in the absence of this regular second pairing. So not ideal heading into a game against the Philadelphia Flyers, who are red hot, uh, but we'll get into that more tomorrow as we preview uh, Tuesday night's game against the Flyers. Back to Saturday night's loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, The two teams came out uh, fists a-flying as uh, there was a combined 94 penalty minutes in the loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Or should we call them the Tampa Bay Fightning? Hey-oh! Tampa really seemed to have something to prove after losing to the Bruins uh, earlier in the week. This rivalry certainly seems to be dialing it up a notch. And it appears as though the Bruins and Lightning would be on track to, uh, you know, meet in the second round of the playoffs if uh, both teams, of course, are able to advance out of the first round. Uh, It's a matchup that we were denied of last year due to Tampa Bay being hilariously swept by the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. There were a couple pretty large skirmishes that led to uh, the... uh, amassing of penalty minutes it all kicked off with chris wagner uh, and barkley Goudreau going at each other uh, both earned unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and then they fought a few minutes later um where else was the biggies uh, anthony sorelli and brad marchand got into it pat maroon and uh, zidane chara got into it after the game the captain said it's a very competitive game two teams battling each other 
Both teams want to win the game and it was physical. That's part of this game and you're going to have games like that where it's going to get a little bit more chippy than some other games. We've always put a lot of emphasis to have each other's backs and play as a unit, as a team. I thought you saw that tonight that everybody responded in the right way. Uh, Sean Corrali added, you've got two teams fighting for top spot in the standings. It's a little more than that too. We want to set the stage for what could possibly be to come two competitive teams that don't want to give an inch. So again, that's, you know, both teams looking ahead to the playoffs uh, and a possible meeting there. Nobody wants to look intimidated. Nobody wants to look as though they're going to back down. And um, Charlie McAvoy echoed that kind of saying, I don't really like to look into the future, but I think that's the kind of game that was going on out there tonight, kind of feeling that we may see those guys again. Um, now. The Bruins kind of lost this game early on when they went down 2-0 on a pair of shorthanded goals that were given up on the same power play. However, other than that, they did uh, play pretty well overall. They dominated in Corsi percentage, 54.55 compared to 45.45 for the Lightning. That's in 5-on-5 play. Uh, in all situations, it was 56-76 compared to 43-24 for the Lightning. A lot of high danger uh, chances uh, generated by the Bruins. Uh, David Pasternak, who did score uh, his 48th of the season in this one, he had another prime opportunity later in the game, a breakaway that Andre Vasilevsky turned away. Uh, so the Bruins, despite going down early, uh, two nothing. Uh, they did play pretty well overall and did have a chance to get back in the game to tie it, uh, to maybe push it to overtime, but uh, it wasn't in the cards. And um, the Bruins came out on the losing end of things. Uh, now the Lightning were seven points back of the Bruins as a result. They played again Sunday night with the chance to pull within five. They lost to the Detroit Red Wings in a shootout. So they only picked up the one point and therefore sit uh, six points back of the Bruins, each with 13 games remaining on the schedule. So both teams have a nice 69 games uh, under their belts. Bruins at 43, 14, and 12. The Lightning at 43, 20, and 6. Each team is at plus 51 in terms of goal differential, and that is uh, tops in the NHL with Colorado coming in plus 47. Uh, the only other team close is the Flyers at plus 38. Again, the Bruins play them tomorrow night, and uh, we'll get into that game uh, on tomorrow's podcast where we'll preview that matchup more in depth. So yeah, it was a bit of a wild game. Uh, Bruins played well overall, uh, offensively, generating shot attempts, generating chances. Uh, those two shorthanded goals really did sink them, and they weren't able to recover. Uh, a lot of posturing in this one. Lightning kind of wanted to get their swagger back after losing to the Bruins earlier in uh, the week. That was kind of diminished with Sunday's loss to the Red Wings. I think everyone's kind of hoping that this will be a second-round matchup. The NHL, I'm sure, would love it to have these two teams finally meet in the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, we all know in 2018, the Bruins lost to the Lightning in five games in the second round. Uh, but I think they're uh, a better team this year, and uh, it would be a great series uh, to be sure. 
There's a couple things that I'd like to get off my chest here today in relation to the Boston Bruins. The first is a tweet from Joe Haggerty of NBC, whatever, Boston, NBC Sports Boston. He says, I'll preface this by saying Andre Kasha has been pretty good in the games he's played since arriving in Boston, but he's also got one assist in five games. He looks like a solid third liner on a good NHL team. Once again, the fancy stats crew has overstated their case with this guy. Uh, I'd like to focus on one particular part of this where he says he's got one assist in five games. Indeed, it has only been five games that Andre Kasha has played for uh, with the Boston Bruins. He was injured for uh, three or four weeks prior to the trade. He's also, you know, been traded and had to move cross country and playing uh, with teammates that he is obviously not used to. So I personally am going to cut him a little bit of slack for all of the above. Five games is certainly not uh, a big enough sample size on which to make any uh, determinations or draw any conclusions. Um, If you look at his uh, career stats. He has always been a positive uh, possession player. He drives to the net. He generates some pretty, uh, you know, high quality scoring chances. Yes, he does have the injury issues, and there's always the concern that if he's bumped, then, you know, he uh, could suffer an upper body injury, things like that. Um, but, you know, the fact is, he is a talented, skilled, speedy winger. Uh, and we all need to give him uh, a little more leeway when it comes to fitting into this new situation after being traded, after moving cross country and recovering from injury. Um, so that's one thing I'd like to get off my chest. Second thing is in relation to Tory Krug. Now, Matt Porter of the Boston Globe, he believes the projected increase in the salary cap could aid the Bruins in re-signing Tory Krug. Uh, The 28-year-old Bruins defenseman is due to become an unrestricted free agent on July 1st, as we all know. Uh, It was reported last week that the cap could rise to uh, $88 per season. Uh, Even if it reaches the low end of those projections at around 84, uh, the Bruins will have about $22 million to re-sign Krug, Chara, Halak, DeBrusque, Grizzlick, Bjork, and Kuhlman. Now, of course, the Bruins love Krug, want to keep him. We all want to see him in the mix. But, however, it's unclear whether they're willing to pay him more than $7 million per season. And there's the belief that the Red Wings, his hometown team, could offer Krug up to $8 million per season. The Bruins have the advantage of offering the extra year, uh, to, so adding up to eight years of term which would lower the average annual value slightly so they could give them, you know, more uh, total, but that eighth year would bring down the AAV. But uh, it's possible that he might want to test the open market and see what's out there. Uh, Krug has said in the past that he's interested in a hometown discount. Didn't indicate how much that would be. Uh, There's the belief the Bruins won't offer him much more than what Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak are making, which they're all below $7 million. Um, McAvoy, on his current deal, his actual salary will rise to $7.3 million in 2021-22, so you know, averaged over 
the course of the contract, his AAV is low, but in actual salary, it goes up. So maybe Krug is going to point to that number as their annual salary number. And if the Bruins do fail to re-sign Krug, we all know he won't lack for suitors. The Red Wings are there. There's rumors that the Canadians might listen in. All this to say, I personally love Tory Krug. I've always rooted for kind of those smaller players that make a big impact. Uh, he obviously fits in very well with the team, and uh, I would be very sad if he were to leave. However, I won't be mad if he chooses to test the UFA market, and especially if he chooses to go uh, to Detroit. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot to be said for going back to your hometown team. Um, the Red Wings could obviously use the help, and it's a very personal decision that these guys have to make when it comes to, um, yeah, their long-term future, where they feel most comfortable, where they want to live, to raise their family, all that kind of stuff. So, yes, I would love if Tory Krug resigns, but I will not be mad if he chooses to go somewhere else. Although, if he does sign with the Canadians, this is the caveat. I, I will be kind of pissed because... Who, who wants to play for the Canadians? The third thing I want to get off my chest is uh, the question of Jax Danica. Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic wrote an article this morning suggesting uh, the Bruins might want to recall Stanika before the end of the season, not only to give uh, Patrice Bergeron some rest, but also to maybe load up for what they want to be another playoff run. Uh, head coach Jay Leach down there in Providence says he's certainly a special 20 or player who I think expects a lot out of himself and is willing to admit when he's wrong, when he's right, when he makes a mistake or doesn't make a mistake. He has that confidence. He's willing to work on anything he needs to work on to make himself a better the next go around. He's a very special player. Now, Stadnika, he's only 21 years old or sorry, 20 years old. He's having a remarkable rookie season down there. And, you know, he is no doubt making Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy wonder whether they should call him up and keep him up for, for the playoff run. Uh, Shinzawa notes, Krejci and newly acquired winger Kasha have yet to settle into an offensive rhythm. I already mentioned how we need to give that a bit more time. It looks like it will take more time, as, as he says. If Cassidy looks elsewhere, Anders Bjork, Carson Kuhlman, or even Coyle could see shifts at number two right wing. That's not ideal, Coyle being there. If it's a ladder, Stanika could take over as third-line center. It may even be that Stanika takes a test drive on Krejci's right wing. All of this could be wishful thinking, Shinzawa continues. It would be a big ask for a 20-year-old with two games of NHL experience to command a top-nine spot for the stretch run and perhaps beyond. Now, some will argue they should keep Stanika down in the AHL uh, because, you know, the Providence Bruins are rolling right now. They have a good chance to go far in the Calder Cup playoffs, and that would be a great experience for him. Um... He's only got two games of NHL experience. It would be, again, a big ask for him to come in. However, uh, you know, he's got 23 goals, 25 assists, leads the Providence Bruins with 48 points, third among AHL rookies in scoring. Uh, he's got seven shorthanded goals. Uh, so, you know, he can be trusted in all situations. He's got speed and skill. 
and has earned the trust of the coaching staff. My personal philosophy is that I just want the best possible players in the system up on the NHL roster when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. You only get so many kicks at this cup, can, cup. And um, I say just bring the best possible players up and go with your best possible roster when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Again, the regular season is a different animal. It's a grind. Um, you know, um, we talked last week about how the president's trophy is cool, but it doesn't really matter that much. The Stanley cup playoffs is a different animal. It's a uh, short tournament for all the marbles. And I say, go for it, load up, bring up Stanika, bring up Trent Frederick. If you want, um, you know, go with the best possible roster that you can you may disagree with that you may think it's better for long-term development but i say you know if he's peaking right now bring him up and see what he can do down the stretch here in the regular season if he brings a spark then keep him up for the playoffs so those are three things i just needed to get off my chest if you agree disagree let me know on twitter at enc mclaren or at lo underscore boston Bruins, and uh yeah we can discuss that further on those platforms. Those of you who have been listening to the podcast for quite some time will have heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. You may not know that Locked On Bruins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Bruins fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listeners. A Locked On podcast listener if your company wants to connect with Bruins fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put our company right here on this Locked On podcast. Lock- local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Again, that's advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. As we do every day, let's finish up with some news and notes from around the NHL. One of the big stories going on is the coronavirus and NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman addressed that uh, over the weekend. Uh, There were some reports going around that media would be banned from all locker rooms moving forward and that uh, all post-game availability will be done from a podium kind of playoff style. Bettman said, we're considering every conceivable option that may be because what's happening is evolving, not only day-to-day in terms of us staying on top of developments, but also hour-to-hour. We're considering nor formal announcement, he said. Some clubs may be focusing on this on their own, but as you all know, the locker room is a very intimate environment and players are not always fully clothed. I don't know what that has to do with it, but it may be best to have media accessibility at a podium for everybody's health and safety, not just the players, but the media's. And it's different than fans being in the stands, particularly our players play in an enclosed environment, so we're focused on 
the fact that the tightness, the crowdedness, and the intimacy of post-game availability may need to be adjusted while we're focusing on the coronavirus. So there's no real formal plan in place right now. It's kind of being left team by team. Um, And uh, he went on to say, I don't want to create any speculation or hysteria. There are obviously a variety of consequences that we may have to focus on, and we'll do that at the appropriate time. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're staying on top of it. We're in constant communication with our club and the NHOPA, and we're going to deal with this in as thorough, professional, on top of it manner as possible. Let's everybody take a deep breath. Uh, The Bruins were asked about the coronavirus here on uh, Monday after practice. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, in his typical hilarious fashion, he just said, um, it's kind of spreading, eh, about the coronavirus. He also added uh, about the game against Tampa that we the Bruins haven't peaked yet, which is uh, good to hear. Uh, but yeah, all that to say, it's a very fluid situation at the moment, and um, obviously it doesn't really affect me as I record this podcast in the comfort of my own home, uh, but it's something to keep an eye on, certainly in terms of locker room availability, whether the... NHL might end up having to cancel games, play in empty arenas. Uh, I mentioned last week on Twitter that the Spanish flu wiped out the 1919 Stanley Cup. I mean, we ha- we're not really there yet, but, uh, you know, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on and uh, hope you all stay safe out there and wash your hands. And uh, hopefully uh, this doesn't get as serious as some people uh, believe it might Elsewhere around the NHL, uh, I mentioned David Pasternak is up to 48 goals on the season. He continues to lead the uh, Richard Trophy race, one ahead of Alex Ovechkin, two ahead of Austin Matthews, and five ahead of Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is now up to 110 points on the season. He leads the NHL scoring race by 14 points over Connor McDavid and Pasternak is at 94 points in third place. Uh, Tuka Rask, despite the uh, game against the Lightning where he allowed those two shorthanded goals, he remains third in the NHL in save percentage at uh, 926. So that's uh, great for him, obviously, to see him uh, excelling. And I really do think he should be in the um, Vesna Trophy conversation. In terms of games to keep an eye on tonight, while the Bruins are off, the Florida Panthers will be in St. Louis to take on the Blues. They, of course, are only three points back of the Maple Leafs for third in the Atlantic uh, with a game in hand. So if they can uh, manage to win this game, they will then only be uh, yeah, right on Toronto's heels, one point back, both uh, with 69 games under their belt. So Panthers with a big opportunity to make up some ground. And knowing them, they'll probably lose and blow it, but uh, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Now, I believe that is it for another edition of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Now, go and tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day, friends, and we will talk to you again tomorrow.